but open the door. It's 84, episode 84 of the Just Chew Jitsu Podcast with Croiler Gracie and Andrew Desimone. Thanks for introducing me. You're welcome. I appreciate that. I just thought I'd throw a little bit of energy into it, and yeah, nice. you actually pronounce your name wrong. Did you know that? Oh, I do. It's Coiler. Coiler. Oh, is that right? Crossy. Oh, okay. I yeah, the Gracies have been saying it wrong for a while, and it's kind of embarrassing for you guys. I'm, I'm glad you're able to correct that. I. This is the first time that I finally, I've, I had a little bit to drink, so I have the courage to tell you this. Thank you. It's only been, what, five years? Five years, yeah. <laughs> All right, this episode, we're continuing our discussion on half guard, and you just kind of walked us through basic half guard stuff. Right. We talked about things that you'll teach when someone's starting to learn half guard, simple traits, technique, how it's kind of evolved through jujitsu. So this week, we can get a little more advanced. I'm going to start us off with a listener question because we had someone email us about half guard. Sounds good. You know, I haven't done a, a listener email, like, opening thing in a while. Let's try, like, a Mad Lib real quick. Give me two nouns and two adjectives. Wait, what? Uh, you want two nouns and two adjectives? Yes. Um, mail and bag. Okay, no, all right. <laughs> That's the most boring Mad Lib ever. Oh. You, you would have been the kid in class when the teacher... Did you ever do Mad Libs? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. The, it, it's a, it, it was this activity a lot of people do in elementary school where it's they're different stories, and they would have a sentence, and there'd be blank parts. So it'd be like, the blank took his blank, and blank all the way home. And so the teacher would start off and say, I need one noun. Kids would shout it out. Obviously, kids would always want to be funny go, boobs but okay i need an adjective all right the clown took his bowling ball like that type of thing gotcha so <laughs> let's try this again <laughs> you you would have been the kid like i was saying here she's like i need a, a noun envelope uh and an adjective talk <laughs> like to give her the most vanilla, boring things yeah. ever. All right, so you can all, anywhere, all over the board. Oh, wow. Two nouns, person, place, or thing. Okay. Um, coffee. Okay. And fish. And fish. All right, and then two adjectives. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Let's go two verbs. Two verbs. Uh huh. Um, hmm. So we have coffee. We have fish, which could be a verb too. Let's do um, washing. Washing. And flying. And flying. Okay. For the listener mailbag, I stuck my hand in a <laughs> pot of boiling coffee, and when I pulled it out, it was burnt so badly, I peeled my skin off like the skin of a fish. What are the two verbs? Driving and flying, as I was saying. I had popped in the car, and as I was driving... I saw a plane flying a bigger pot of hot coffee that it dropped on me and it melted my co- the car in me. That's a mad That was great. Thanks. Did you like that? <laughs> yeah, I love this. It, it had nothing to do with the listener mailbag. No. So let's get to it. <laughs> Folks, this is what people come to this podcast for. Concentrated jujitsu knowledge and nothing else. No filler, all jujitsu. <laughs> This email is from Jake. Jake is an English 
BJJ player, he says. Five foot seven. His subject is half guard sweeps for smaller guys. Five foot seven. I wish I was five foot seven. <laughs> he said, hi, I'm an English football uh, BJJ player, and I always find myself in a really deep half guard, which is actually quite comfortable for me defensively, but I've started playing with the idea of the tornado guard by Huberto Abrao. Yeah, sideboard. Oh, yeah. For the sweep. Do you think half guard suits the smaller person, or is it something I should steer clear from? Also, have you got any hints or tips for the intermediate beginner in, in regards to the smaller guy, deep half, sweeps, attacks, etc.? So what do you think for our friend Jake? Um, I think as far as like size, doesn't matter for half guard. I think that there are so many sub-styles of half guard that while half guard in general is applicable to everyone if there's a particular style that may fit you better being shorter or longer sure there are those things can happen but i don't think i would avoid half guard just because you're five seven i mean five seven is pretty standard size um you can still go into like half butterflies you can go into you know uh tornado guards and other things like that which are fine for somebody your height um much like big guys tend to go into like deep half and things like that so there's different styles that will definitely um complement your size better but i wouldn't i wouldn't avoid half guard i think it's something that everybody in order to be competitive today has to know is is you know to have a good half guard both on top and on bottom and then what about the uh the guard he touched on a tornado guard oh but before before we do that i actually was was just when i wanted to thank him he converted his height to feet and inches for us which obviously he'd go by the metric system which was way better out of preferred than metric system well he's a considerate guy and he thought these are two dumb Americans. I, I, I like the I like the metric system, but I grew up in the metric system. Right, and so thank you for uh, catering <laughs> to my ignorance and not being like, oh, gents, just want you to know I'm uh, two meters tall and I weigh three stone or whatever. Yeah, stone is kind of weird measurement. We can all agree on that. Like, that's, yeah, that that's one's tough. Of, yeah, that one's weird. It's just weird. Nobody uses stone for anything. I'm still so terrible at converting uh, the meters. Feet, I can convert. I'm terrible with weights. Really? Yeah. Pounds and kilos? Oh, I'm so bad at it. <laughs> you could tell me I weigh 600 kilos, and I'd say, cool. Wow. I have no idea how many kilograms I weigh. <laughs> Not very many. <laughs> <laughs> Seven? No, more than that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this episode is not about Andrew showing his ignorance with the metric system. Let's get back to Tornado Guard. Um, So he mentioned Cyborg. Uh, Cyborg is definitely one of the guys that made the Tornado Guard more popular and mainstream. But really, the first person to really get known for that was was Holeta back in like the early 90s. Um, Holito is actually a really tall, lanky guy, kind of opposite from Cyborg. Cyborg is more of a stocky guy. Um, so it shows you that size doesn't really matter there. Um, if you get both a tall guy and a stocky guy doing the same style of guard. Um, so basically what Tornado tornado Guard is, it's, it's an inversion in half guard. So the ability to invert within half guard itself and be able to launch attacks off of it. So in terms of... Are you inverting and then going like between their legs kind of well one leg is already in between the legs you're in half guard right 
as you invert, are you kind of popping between the legs and coming out you can, behind? You okay. Can. There's a number of things you can do from there. There's back takes and sweeps and leg locks, triangles. There's all sorts of, of, of options there. Um, now, in terms of like classifying tornado guard, um, I look at it like like umbrellas, right? So you have the overarching umbrella being guard, and then you have underneath that umbrella a smaller umbrella that being half guard and then underneath that you have you know the knee shield guards the the half hybrid guards like half lasso half butterfly so on and then you have deep half underneath those you have even further divided sections so deep half your traditional deep half means you're hugging the opponent's leg their hips are above your shoulders and you can move them you go deeper half where you then create a bend on that leg that's trapped you still have their hips on your shoulders but but now their leg is bent Um, and then you can go into tornado where would be a step above that where you're moving yourself within that deep half position um so um I think I think it's very viable for you to learn. I think for as far as a as a tip um, for for an immediate you know practitioner, um, don't focus so much on the end product. Focus more on how you get there. Sometimes, uh, and I see it even in my my students sometimes where I will show a certain technique, let's say a sweep or a submission, and they're really focused on how it looks at the end. So they're looking at. I got the guy to tap or I got the sweep to work, but they sometimes overlook the in-between from the setup and beginning to the finish point, the submission or the sweep. That the, that portion, that the transition from where you start to where you end is more important than the end result. Meaning you can force the technique to work you can be sloppy during its transition and use a lot of uh, you know physical ability to to accomplish your shortcomings and sometimes you're successful meanwhile if you focus on making sure that every little step in a technique is perfect then no matter how much the opponent resists or how how your physical traits are maybe if you lack some as long as everything is perfect if you have 100% perfect input, you will have 100% perfect output. So um, it's more important that we focus, especially if you're somebody who's an intermediate, let's say like a you know, three, four stripe blue belt to purple belt, um, you need to really be good at the in-between step instead of focusing on just the result. That'll, make, that'll take you far more, further, faster than anything else you, you got out there. Uh, you touched on something there where you started to talk about the tree of guards. And you went right. your closed guard, then you went under that. You have your uh, half guard, open or your half guard, so other you have, you have variations guard in general. Yep. Right? Then you have the open, closed, and half. Let's start working our way down from half guard. Are there a lot of variations just under half guard? Not getting too far to that next so, level. So like the one break, one step further from just mm-hmm. half guard. So if you have half guard, you have four four branches underneath. You have traditional half guard, which is your iconic position that we kind of talked about last time. Correct. And then you have the half hybrids. So like half butterfly, half de la Hiva, half you know uh, lasso, and so on. You have your deep half which now you're getting underneath your opponent for a lot of your work. So instead of moving 
instead of, of you know, half hybrids will take the properties of whatever the hybrid is, but half butterfly, you're moving yourself underneath your opponent. And then you get into um, your... Half butterfly, you're moving yourself under your opponent. You said, is that... Isn't that no, kind half, of... No, deep half is when you're going into... Uh, okay, deep people. half, yes, all right. Yeah, and you have half, your half hybrids are your combinations, your combos off of things. And then you have your traditional half, and you, the last one being the shin... Knee shield. The, the shin knee shield style guards. So, like, for the knee shields, you have the reg traditional knee shield, you have Z guard, you have shin on shin, and things like things like that. When you go into the hybrids, you have half lasso, half butterfly, half de la Hiva and things like that. Um, your traditional is a standalone. That's just like the 101. And then deep half breaks down into deeper half, traditional deep half, and then tornado and others. Let's start with the knee or shin shield half. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one that we're doing right now in class. Yeah, we're ta- passing. talking about passing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me just at face value the knee shield half is going to be a defensive guard because it's you're literally using well it has shield in it so you're shielding yourself right so i like to think of it as like um like any any style of of shin half guards right so knee shield or your z guard which are the most prevalent ones so um i like to think of it as I'm creating a, a barrier, um, like a castle wall or a shield, and I'm attacking from the outside, right? So in a castle, I would be firing off arrows. In a shield, I'd be using spear around the shield so that I can attack while remaining, for most part, fairly safe. So you got your half guard that's keeping the person, all right, I, they can't advance, they're staying here. Right. What happens then? Well, if they can't move anywhere, they're going to a lot of times try to just move into you or push you down. Right. And so then you get your shield out. And then you're saying this shield is now allowing you to uh, to attack to right. attack from there. And to get around that shield, there's only a certain number of ways. Go under it, go around it, go over it. Right? And so that knee shield is, do you think, is it funneling and directing them into then the attacks that... It makes them predictable for sure. Yeah. Because... Anytime you have an E-Shield or a Z-Guard, they can't go into you, right? They'll have to go over, which you lead to your smash passes and things like that. They'll have to go under it, where they go down into your knee crushes and and low-level passes. Um, Or they go around it, which is kind of what we're doing now, where you just change the style of passing completely to nullify the E-Shield. What are the the things that you'll teach someone... uh, The basics you'd give someone who's starting to play around with a knee shield... So the, the most important thing to learn when you're doing an E-Shield or, or even a, a Z-Guard is really understanding how your frame works, where is it powerful, and where it's weak. Because a lot of times you can go, oh, cool, I'm going to put my knee between me and this person, and then they just push that down, knee down right, and, and walk around. Nothing, it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, your frame should be always basically built of a, of a true structure. So if your framing is made of muscular structure, like you're using muscular power to maintain a frame, that is not really a frame, right? Because a frame has to be structural, it has to be your bone, um, your, your joint, every, something's gotta be holding it in place that isn't gonna fade when it fatigues. So if your frame is, you know, you're just holding them away with your triceps, well at some point your triceps are gonna get tired. Or maybe you're not strong enough to hold somebody at bay, but structure, 
should be able to be there forever unless they manage to break the, the bone that's part of that structure. Mm-hmm. Right? The second thing is knowing that frames only work. So if I frame you, uh, let's say like in a, Z, in a Z, Z guard where my shin is directly across your waist, my frame is my shin pushing on your waist parallel to the floor, right? If you try to go towards me through that knee shield, you'll have to go through that frame. That's never going to happen. But should you press down on on the Z guard, you will collapse that frame because my frame isn't meant to hold vertical power, only horizontal power. And once I do that, once you understand that, once you understand that frames are only powerful in one direction and they should be structural, then you start to understand what you need to do to avoid a weakness in your frame, which is if the opponent changes angles, the angles that they're pushing, your frame has to account for that. So your frame should be constantly readjusting as needed. Is the just the traditional knee shield a little bit more versatile than the Z guard? It depends on how what your approach is, right? So the traditional knee shield where you're in a collarbone will more often than not lead you into back takes and um, back takes and more traditional attacks like kimuras and uh, baseball chokes and things like that. Where like a Z guard will generally speaking give you access to a little bit more advanced sweeps and maybe leg locks depending on how good you are. Like Craig Jones is an incredible uh, Z guard guy and he does a lot of leg locks off of it. Um, so it just depends on your approach. Are you looking to take the back and, and do upper body submissions or are you looking to control the lower body and go into lower body submissions? The knee shield, the way that we like, we'll drill it right now in class, your knee is going on their collarbone. collarbone. Will you change the placement as you're rolling with someone to accommodate the angle they're coming at? Temporarily, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but the remember, you basically have a dead zone, right? So if you have a perfect 90 and you're in the collarbone, that's a strong knee shield. If it's perfectly horizontal and it's across your waist, you have a really good Z guard. The in-between world needs to be, you know, between zero degrees and 90 degrees needs to be met at some times. You know, as your opponent moves, like I said, we have to account for the angle change, but you shouldn't live there. Living there means you don't get the benefit of either side. And more often than not, you get the downsides of both. You're not strong enough to maintain the frame. You don't have the pluses. So that's, that's, that's a bad day. And what do you do in, let's say you have a Z guard and you know that someone can't come into you, but they could push that down and smash it. How do you then start to adapt as you set that up and you go, okay, well they smash this down. Well now what do I do? So that's where like, um, it's like we talked about before, their options become predictable because in order to defeat a certain style of guard, they have to behave a certain way. So in a, in a Z guard where their shin comes across, if they crush down on your legs, that's fair. And if you try to do Z guard or knee shield at that point, it's not going to work. They've collapsed your frame. So we don't have a frame anymore. Mm-hmm. So why would we do a style of F guard where a frame is involved? You see, you would switch off into a half hybrid. You go into like half lasso, half butterfly. Um, you go into omoplata attacks off of it, and then you can start then combining that. You can basically take take the predictable behavior and counter attack it with a change in style of half guard that you're playing. And so, someone starting uh, to learn knee guard, what or knee shield, 
placement on the collarbone, um, your hand, your arms, or where are you put, where are you putting those on the person's shoulder, on their bicep? So when I'm first teaching um, knee shield, I, I try to create a, like a U U shape frame. So the shin being at the collarbone, that's one part of the U. Then the same arm as the leg that's creating the knee shield, I put that elbow in the inner on my knee, and my forearm then goes across both collarbones. And then my free arm, which would be, it's usually my cross face arm, so I don't get cross face, that'll block the bicep, and that that creates the U shape, so to speak, the upside down U shape. And then uh, that frame is incredibly powerful, and it's very hard to, be, to for them to crush that space. So. If you're smaller and you find somebody much bigger, um, the the knee shield then is very very powerful. And then the the Z, uh, as people place that, it's it's going to be going across the person's waist. Uh, waist. Mm-hmm. So they place it there, and then what are they doing with their hands? So that's the benefit of of Z versus knee shield, right? Mm-hmm. So the Z guard gives you such a strong f- frame on their hip that your hands are essentially free. The problem is, is the opponent tends to be much further away from you than in a regular knee shield. So your arms are then in charge of managing that distance because they're so far away, all your attacks have to be, they have a longer distance to travel. So your arms should be setting up a attacks in which close that distance or they should manage a way to close that distance while this is happening. That's covering our knee shield, our Z guard. Let's look and delve into deep half now. When I first started learning it, it seemed a little risky, a little intimidating to me because I was pulling, I, I, was, I was bringing the person further on top of me. I was getting underneath them. So usually as a small guy, I want to keep their weight away here. I'm like going deeper in there and this weight's Correct. now on top of me. And until you have knowledge of what to do, you're thinking, oh, I am going deeper and deeper in this cave and I'm just gonna get lost soon. Right, and there's benefit to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in a, knee, in, a, in a deep half, sorry, in a deep half guard, the great benefit there is two things. Defensively, if you disappear underneath your opponent's hips, it's much harder for them to attack you. Not impossible, but just tough. There's not a, there's not a lot of great attacking angles. There's not um, a lot of room down there for them to do to, much. Yeah, I mean, Kimura is usually the prevalent attack, but even then, they, they're not usually Kimuraing off of a deep half. They're Kimuraing to the Kimura trap to then attack. Um, so there's a lot of defensive properties into, into deep, deep half. But the other benefit of deep half is because you're underneath the opponent's hips and you're essentially attached to his leg and hips, should you move the opponent has no option but to move with you right i mean mm-hmm. if, if if it's the same it's the same dilemma um when beginners first mount people they think that's better uh, early on like if you have if you take somebody that's got no knowledge of grappling and you tell them hey is it better to be in side mount or top mount they're going to tell you top mount every time because it looks more dominant mm-hmm. but the reality is if you don't have a lot of knowledge and you're on top mount. If the person bottom moves, you're you're moving too. It's where, tough to maintain. Them. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, by going to deep half, you're generally speaking safe from submissions, and you have the the property that if you move, they will move with you. Is that because you're now becoming a part of their base? You're- Essentially, you are what their base is being built on. Mm-hmm. You're the foundation to their base. Right. 
but you're not an inanimate object. So if you move, they have to move. And that leads to off-balancing, which is really the root of all deep half attacks is the, the idea of Kazushi or of like where you get them moving. If they're off-balancing in any direction, then it's easy to, to launch your attacks, to launch sweeps, to take them into deeper waters. No pun intended. Right. And it sounds a little counterintuitive to say, yeah, you take on, you're a small person. Now you take on this larger person. Uh, you're, their base is now built on top of you. How do you move when you take on this heavier weight? Uh, how, do, how do you still stay mobile? Because, yeah, great. They're built on me, but now I'm stuck is what you'd think. Right. So um, we talked about this in class. I don't know if you're, if you're back yet. I don't want to talk about the difference between connected and attached. Uh, we've talked about it before, I think, even on the podcast. Right. So the idea that if you, if you are incapable of moving of separation, right? Then then you are like attached to each other, like you cannot break free. Uh, if you're connected, we have a connection, that connection can be severed, which means I have the ability to separate. So in deep half, what's gonna create movement is the idea that you guys are attached, that there's no space there. So your question is how come how can I, the smaller guy, being underneath somebody that's much bigger than me, have enough power to move them? The answer is you don't. You don't have enough power. But what you can create is a pendulum, momentum, right? When you create a pendulum, you swing from side to side, you rotate in and out, you can start building momentum. And that momentum, uh, as long as the movement remains true, will build. And as, as it builds, you become more and more powerful and you'll have more and more room to move. And as the, move, as the movement builds, not only are you getting stronger with the momentum, you're, because you're creating more movement, the opponent is also losing base and losing their balance. So you have a, a, like a, you know, a, a synergetic effect there where you become stronger, faster, and more powerful, and the opponent becomes more and more off balance in the same position. And if I'm correct in saying you don't, any the smaller movements you make will have a larger effect on their overall movement. Absolutely, yeah. And and as and if they ignore it at first because you're smaller, they will let you build it. And and it's just it's like a snowball. It just gets bigger and bigger as it rolls downhill. Okay. Now, what are some different under that umbrella of deep half? What are some different categories we see there? So like in deep half, you have the traditional deep half, which we just talked about, and then you can go into like deep, what I call like a deeper half, um, where you're still in deep half, but now you're bending the opponent's leg. So the leg that you have trapped, you're now forcing the leg to bend in particular directions. Um, and, and what that does for you is it, without the need to create horizontal momentum, which is what deep half is based on, you can now create vertical off balances. Um, you can lift the opponent and you can start rotating them on their butt and, and lifting them. It becomes very powerful. It does take a little bit more work up front to get to it. But once you're there, you tend to be able to have now not just horizontal off balancing, but you also have vertical off balancing capabilities there too. From the deeper half, mm -hmm. what do you see people do a lot of times from there? The most common attack from the deeper half, um, I've heard it called the waiter sweep. I'm not sure if, <laughs> if that's the name for it or not. You know what I mean? Like I don't keep track of the names. Um, but the most common one, you essentially dump the opponent on their butt, and then you, as you come up, you end up in their half, but they're stuck because 
while your orientation and his and, and the opponents have changed, the positions remains the same. They're still stuck. So you can put them on their back and go right into the side mount because they can't recover in time. I think it's called the waiter guard because in Brazil... Uh, Jesus. Well, in Brazil, <laughs> the way that it's determined whether you pay your bill or not is at the end, you can challenge your waiter and you guys will roll. And That's so, right. Yeah. Okay. And the, in the traditional outfits they'll wear in Brazil, that particular guard was more susceptible to the deeper half. Gotcha. Yeah, that's yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't know that story, but okay. I love any time I can teach you. So I, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> any time I can teach you about Brazil, I'm a happy man. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, me too. <laughs> all right. So we have deeper half. Yeah. You also have tornado underneath there. Um, and then the difference with tornado is, um, while you're still getting underneath the opponent, you're not so much moving. So in deep half and in deeper half, you're moving the opponent over you as you're moving underneath them. In Tornado, you're more moving yourself more entirely underneath the opponent than like a, a half and half kind of scenario. Anything else in the deeper half umbrella that worthy of attention? There's, there's, you know, small twists here and there. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them guards. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not enough techniques in those very specific situations in Tornado or in Deep Half to branch out and call them different guards. But to me, those are the three big ones. Okay. And then we have two other categories. The one was the hybrids and well, the traditional. And traditional. Right. Before we end, let's touch then on the hybrids. So like hybrid halves are really common. People do it without thinking about it. So um, generally speaking, you may be in a particular guard already and the opponent is almost passing and you revert to your normal method of protection, which is going to be your half guard. So like half butterfly is really common where the opponent is already in half and you manage to get a butterfly hook in or you are in butterfly and the opponents are passing and now you end up in, in half butterfly. Lasso guard is really common where you end up putting lasso on the opponent while they're standing. The opponent manages to kind of crowd you and then drop down to their knees and then you're in half butterfly. Um, you can do it with like De La Hiva. If you're in half guard, the opponent tries to knee slice so he's not even necessarily fully standing. You can De La Hiva while they're down. That's like a half De La Hiva. Um, so those are, those are more common than people give them credit for. Um, I think the people that are most successful, they realize that they, for the, the hybrids to work, you need to be very aware of the, the pros and the cons of each of the two parts. So one part of the hybrid is always going to be half guard. So you got to know the pros and cons of half, but you also have to know the pros and cons of whatever the second mixture is, right? So if you do, let's say, lasso. Lasso guard is a guard that by default is very defensive oriented, um, but it requires a lot of uh, mobility. So you need to be able to move within butterfly. Where like in half guard, you need to be able to move within the opponent. You see, so those are counterintuitive, mm-hmm. right? They they work against each other. So the question is, how can I do half lasso and half butterfly and still be successful? Well, you take the half lasso and half half half, half guard, sorry, yeah. So how do you how do you make that work? Well, if you know that for the opponent to pass lasso, he's going to have to crouch you. He's going to have to stay close. That means that you can use that to your advantage and create the off balance that you need in half guard. So one of the things that makes it difficult to off, off balance somebody in half guard is if they're away from you. If they're not crowding you in half guard, 
like if they just sit straight up it's very hard to get that off balance going so the opponent no longer has that choice when you have lasso because if you put lasso and half guard and he moves away from you then lasso can now act sure now you have the move the ability to move there much the same that you can have the negative properties need to be understood too half guard needs space lasso you know needs sorry uh, lasso needs space half guard needs stability if the opponent crowds and remains low he kills both guards so then you're kind of stuck and you're you have to move on at that point i like what you did there that was guard mating that's essentially what it is it is what happens if we breed half guard with a dog no half guard with a with butterfly what what traits do we see right so butterfly tends to be a very um, agile guard it requires a lot of lifting and a lot of you know ability to take the opponent take advantage of those lifts so in butterfly if you lift the opponent that's a good thing because you can set up attacks and sweeps off of it in half guard you want the opponent to do what? To stay down and close to you so you can do your off-balancing and things like that. Mm -hmm. So when you do half butterfly, the opponent has to decide, if I stay enough away from him, he's going to lift. And if he lifts, he can start going into the branch of butterfly and take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, if I crowd him and I get close to him, which is what's going to kill butterfly, then I'm essentially setting myself up into half guard where he can launch off his half guard attacks okay so you you offset the weakness what if de la Hiva takes half guard out for dinner gets it kind of drunk they they have sex what what's the baby of what de la Hiva and half guard oh <laughs> you're enjoying this i am i think it's oh. i it's really i'm oh. impressed <laughs> that you're able to put them together and immediately say what the weaknesses the strengths are based on what's passed down oh, from yeah. their yeah their so like de la predecessors Hiva. so the idea the, the the strongest thing with de la Hiva is the ability to stop forward motion right so uh, that's the reason why it was originally created so you stop big guys from being able to just crush into you um, but the Hiva for the longest time was originally designed for the opponents that's standing trying to pass right so what happens to the Hiva if the opponent kneels down well the reality is not much it doesn't really affect the Hiva as much if the opponent is down on his knees as long as you have the Delahiva hook right so why would you do a half Delahiva half uh, half guard uh, hybrid because if the opponent is threatening to knee slice it can kill your half guard anytime the opponent can create an angle to knee slice over your half that can lead to trouble if you have a delhiva hook that stops their ability to to knee slice effectively and you can stand sarlacc lunch and attacks and back exposures and then going that route if the opponent doesn't knee slice and he stays in position then you can still off balance with your half guard I'm thoroughly impressed. And here, let's see if you can stick the landing. The oh finale. <laughs> the finale is half guard is out at a bar. It looks over. It sees this cute little turtle gu- turtle guard over there. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then they start to fool around. Next thing you know, uh, nine months later. You set it on fire. They, <laughs> they got a baby. What kind of baby are we seeing here? You, uh, you set it on fire. <laughs> so it's it's just, it fully warrants an abortion. They're not, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, like the, the, the you know, half guard and, and, and turtle wouldn't work. They'll be, because it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd try. Yeah. No, that was good. I liked it. That was that was yeah. that was impressive that you're able to on demand tell us tell us what would pop out. I'm not even gonna try to think of any other ones. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, 
let before we end well first i'll say anything we should touch on with half guards before we we close the book here because then we're going to hop over to listener email uh, anything to close on half guard um mm-hmm. i think i think it needs to be i think everybody needs to spend quite a bit of time in half guard and and mastering it you don't have to master every style of half guard but at least have one or two styles that you're really good at um, and kind of learn the pluses and minus and learn to kind of combine them. Um, and then from, from that point forward, you can at least be threatening and you can have a plan. Um, just because if we're only focused on full guards, like spider or any style of open guard or any style of closed guard, if you can't get there, you your option shouldn't be, oh, I'm dead inside mount. You know, you should be able to, to do half guard and do some damage. Sure. All right, we're going to switch to an Instagram question from a repeat friend of the show griffin okay who i've called griffith before but it's griffin okay uh he says hello harambe and the koala which <laughs> i think i'm the koala there maybe it's probably, is that a safe assumption i, I think so <laughs> he says i'm curious how you feel about 10th planet i feel like the rubber guard would have been a good subject for the fads and trends section yeah that's true yeah that's what, true. where do you think that would fall there um so I think that there needs to be a separation between the idea of rubber guard and 10th planet. I think people often think that they're synonymous and, and I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, I do think, I, I understand why, why people think they're connected. Eddie Bravo being the, you know, the, the most prolific user of rubber guard, uh, being the founder of 10th planet, I could see the relationship there, but that's like saying Dale Hiva guys, are the only people that do the Hiva guard. Yeah. You know, that's that's just not true. Yeah. Um, so as far as rubber guard goes, I think I think every style of guard serves a purpose and serves a function and addresses a need. Um, the biggest need, um, you know, when Eddie went to Nogi, Eddie, for, a lot of people don't know it too, but Eddie actually got his black belt, like training with Jean-Jacques in the Gi. Like he was actually a fully Gi guy all the way through black belt. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, he had some wrestling background um, and he liked to train no gi, you know, early, earlier before it was a, a fad or a trend, whatever you want to call it. Um, so he ran into the problem of, okay, so I know close guard, but I'm having a hell of a time attacking people with my close guard because I can't use my grips to pull them down. I don't have a car, cross collar, I don't have a sleeve, and it just became difficult for him to attack. So. He then explored and found different ways to hold a person down. That's where like rubber guard stems from is the ability is, is a, you, you hook yourself instead of the opponent's key in order to control their posture. And then from there you can launch attacks. Mm-hmm. Really, it was an adaptation of close guard to no gi, um, which is, which is good. It, it was probably a need. If he found that he couldn't do it without it, I'm sure there's other people that couldn't either. Um, and, and, and Eddie's done great things for, for the sport. I, I don't have any issues with him whatsoever. Um, actually, I, I, I think it's kind of cool that what he's done. But anyways, um, so as far as rubber guard goes, we need to understand the time and the place. No gi, breaking posture from closed guard. So I would, pull, I would put rubber guard as a subsection of closed guard. Um, where does close guard start? Where does uh, rubber guard start to fail? Rubber guard starts to fail um, when you start to create distance, and it falls into prey of every other open guard that you have in nogi. Once you create that distance, and you don't have the ability to control the opponent's uh, p- 
posture and 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 height then the rubber guard starts to fail so i would put it as another section of, of close guard um but yeah i mean i think it started as a fad early on um eddie's been at it for two decades now so it's obviously mm. a trend it's still sticking he's got a ton of affiliates everywhere um do you see a lot of it in like the highest levels of competition um yes and no um eddie's got some guys that are obviously top level competitors and they'll do rubber guard but the reality is um it, it was one of those things once people figured out how to beat it um it, it was like if they that's all they knew then it was easy to beat them mm-hmm. and i think that's what you saw like for and, and this is no knock on eddie or no knock on 10th planet but 10th planet has never had their time on stage you know i mean they've never had the like the 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 light shined on them they would go and compete in nogi competitions and at your local tournaments they would do well because people wouldn't know what rubber guard was and they would get stuck in there and lose but then when you took it a level higher and you got into like national levels and worlds and, and things like international level competitions they never quite did well um because at that level those people have so much experience with jujitsu that that one new trick that you may know simply just isn't enough to carry you through. Now, I do think there's a lot of value in learning rubber guard. I just think like any guard, it can't be the only thing that you do. And if you look at Eddie's more, more successful guys, Geo being the most successful of them, Boogie and so on, like they do have, they do rubber guard for sure, but they're also specializing in other areas. G will do leg locks, he'll do back takes, you know, Boogie will combine rubber guard with half and create a, a hybrid there and then launch attacks off of it too. So there is a little bit of that there, um, but there, you know, as far as like being the end all be all to guards, I, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's a thing. Okay. And then his last part of the question, this is, uh, he says, also, when are we going to get Croiler into Discord again for some fights? I, oh. I didn't know. When, when, when did you hop oh, on yeah. Discord? Um, I Josh, Josh shared the fights via Discord on his, um, on his I don't know what you call it, his channel. Oh, oh, his, uh, tw- was it his Twitch? It was, it was through Discord. I don't know. Okay. What, what would you call a forum channel? I guess, yeah. I, I don't know I, what I'm the not, name I don't have even really used Discord, so. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a room or a channel, whatever it mm-hmm. is. Um on his group there you go his group on discord and he shared it and it was like late at night and i just wanted to watch like the last two or three fights so i'm like am i gonna pay for a full pay-per-view to watch two or three <laughs> fights i just you know watched it on the discord all right well yeah. maybe you should hop on again sometime yeah maybe i should yeah or the next time we watch a fight we'll, we'll figure out how to discord and then we'll yeah do that there you go <laughs> all right everyone well thank you for listening and we will see you next week